Hey everybody, Zach from the future here. Just wanted to uh, put this in the beginning of this episode. Um, I apologize about the audio quality. There's a couple technical issues that I believe we've worked out uh, as far as Kamigawa Part 2 goes. Um, this episode in Kamigawa Part 1, the audio quality isn't going to be totally up to par. I do apologize again, but um, Scott and I are learning quite a bit about audio engineering and how to do a good podcast. So uh, I appreciate you sticking with us through our growing pains and uh, really hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, also for Kamigawa Part 1, I will be putting out a companion episode where it's just me reading the lore in a much more, you know, clear environment, uh, just so that people can pick up at Part 2 where the audio quality should be much better. Uh, anyway, I uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, sticking around with us, and, um, oh, and a couple things just real quick, too. We did get a couple things wrong in this episode. Uh, it was, like, right at the beginning of us learning the lore when we recorded this one, and, uh, we got a couple minor details wrong, but, uh, I promise for the sets, everything is very well researched. Anyway, uh, thanks for sticking with us, uh, appreciate your time, and, uh, we'll see you on the next plane. Hello and welcome to episode one of Planes Walk With Us, a Magic the Gathering podcast. Your host, Zach. And Scott, a.k.a. Cyborg Heart. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful Cyborg uh, uh, Heart. 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 The, the, the folks at home won't know, but this is actually the second time we've recorded episode one. Um, mainly because I said, oh, way too much the first time, and I'm starting to do it again. So hopefully this time it's a little bit uh, clearer than, than that first attempt. I got one of those dog shock collars, so if he says it too much, if you hear a yelp, that's just me shocking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, might, uh, that might not be the way we want to go about this, because <laughs> uh, who knows. So the general purpose of uh, this first episode here, we want to talk about just some, some basic terms that are going to come up in the lore pretty often uh, to, to get the start of a general overview. Um, the... <laughs> the funny, the funny thing about Magic: The Gathering War, and we've talked about this a million times, especially yeah. with what we're researching now, is it is vast. So it is like it's it's the closest I can describe it is an archaeological dig where you think you found like one building, yeah. and then it's like, oh no, we found a city that's on top of a city. That's on top of another, like, you just, there's no end, it just goes so Yeah, deep. everything you look at is a new rabbit hole where you're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Oh, yeah, the gay watch, we'll start with that. Oh, okay, there's 7,000 7, things that I have to look up just to get to the context of what the gay watch is. And then you have to also look up the members and yep. their history and the tools they use. Yeah. And, and just, don't get me wrong, I mean, like, I am so excited for this. This is my jam. I love lore. The whole reason we're doing this is because you and I are big lore junkies. Yeah. So the fact that we get to sit down and be like, let's talk about magic. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So it, it's it's a boon for both of us. Yeah. Um, and so um, with this first episode, we've got some basic terms. Uh, coming up, the next episode we're going to be recording is Kamigawa. Basically, the structure we're going to do for the podcast is uh, we're going to go set by set. Um, in, in a lot of cases, uh, didn't cover the lore of each individual set and release those episodes. Um, because I, we kicked around a lot of ways of how to structure it. And like one, the problem is all the sets are constantly coming out. So it's right. like, you know, you're always going to be behind. I mean, just, just what Tuesday they announced there's new sets for, uh, the dinosaur plane coming out, yeah, yeah. which don't get me wrong. I'm super excited for, I stay claiming doing that <laughs> myself, but that, again, that's, that's just those four sets. It's probably another two weeks of research yeah. just to get caught up on that. Yeah. So. Uh, that'll be the structure of it um, for today. The main, the first, you know, terms we got here. Um, 
Uh, these came across uh, when I was looking at it, just a general timeline. So there's pre-visionist lore and uh, revisionist lore. Um, in the early days of Magic the Gathering, Wizards of the Coast, the parent company uh, that owns Magic, um, they did not have as much of a hand in the lore as they do currently. Um, so it shifted... I don't know exactly when. I think it was about... Uh, oh, you know what? I do. My notes. <laughs> Those handy things <laughs> oh, yeah. that I got here. Um, so after the 12th set was released, uh, it was called Tempest. And Wizards at that point took a larger ro- uh, role in the lore. So, you know, Pre-Visionist, less Wizards involvement. <clears throat> Revisionist is from there to modern times. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it, it does make sense. If you're crafting an entire multiverse... You kind of want to be the ones controlling how everyone's going to perceive the characters and settings yeah. in it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some really messed up stuff in this, but it's worth it in the long run. Yeah. Well, and, and you got to figure, too, like in the early days of Magic the Gathering, they probably didn't expect to like, I don't know if they even thought lore was going to be a thing. That oh, they cared about. Probably not. <clears throat> I mean, the original if you ever look at the original cards, it's literally mana cost effect maybe a picture that's yeah. not hand-drawn, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, there's nothing on them. Yeah, and, and I mean, because uh, Magic came out, had to have been in the 80s, right? I think it was um, like 90, I think it was like 87. Yeah, and, and it's not like today where everybody expects lore from everything. You know, yeah. back in the 80s, like, that, they just, that just didn't exist, really. I, I mean, look at the first <laughs> Mario game. It was, there's a monkey throwing <laughs> barrels at you. Yeah. And now we have movies and talks of a TV show and a multiverse for Mario. I mean... We have Chris Pratt. Oh, God. (laughs) For some reason, instead of Charles Martinet, but, you know, uh, we don't need to... That's a whole other... Different different can of worms here. Um, So, the main thing, uh, the game's called Magic, right? So, everything is based on mana. Uh, Mana itself is just the magical energy that fuels the spells of spellcasters, and it flows along the ley lines in each of the planes. Correct. It's, like, it's basically the lifeblood of everything, and its power more or less governs the laws of the multiverse. For those unfamiliar with the term of ley lines, they're pretty much, think of them like um, longitude and latitude lines, invisible ones that cover planets or planes, yeah. which magic flows. Uh, Subterranean rivers of magic, I think, would be the best yeah. way to describe yeah. them. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. And I mean, ley lines aren't exclusive to magic lore, no. like if even just here in like the real world. Um, you know, the people who think like, like more like pagan, like Wicca type people also pay attention to the ley lines. Cool. cool. Yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, I wish I could do magic. That would be amazing. Just like cast a fireball. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> that's a whole, that's a topic for another day. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. I have a whole story for that. Um, but yeah. So the, the other thing to know about magic is, uh, each, each color, uh, has its own alignment and, you know, function that it governs. Um, the colors are white, blue, black, red, and green, and then colorless, um, which is more alien than anything else. It's, it's, it, colorless is like an exception to, to the color. I, I view it sort of like as it's the basis that everything else sprouts from. So, like, yeah, could be. colorless turns into the other five, or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, it, it certainly could be. I, I, the only thing I really came across, at least in preparing for this episode, um, it mentioned specifically the Eldrazi, uh, your homies. Oh, I love those guys. <laughs> uh, they are cool. Um, especially some of the bigger ones, like the actual cards themselves. Um, they're really high. They're really high cost, but they're very powerful. Too. Yeah, I like it. I bought that Eldrazi deck the second it came out, yeah. and that thing is a beast. Yeah. 
Um, like every monster there was like five plus attack. Yeah, but but the Eldrazi were made colorless specifically to denote how alien that is. Because yes. in every any given plane or universe, the mana that governs it is a color of some description, with the Eldrazi being the main exception. And exactly. in the card game too, of course, like vehicles and artifacts are also colorless, but that's because they can use any type rather yeah. than being truly colorless. Yeah, but the Eldrazi being colorless living beings is what makes them so strange. Right. Um, but the other colors, lore-wise, uh, the white, uh, the color of white is associated with morality and order. Uh, its mana symbol is the sun. Um, or for some reason, the symbols of sun, but all the basic lands are plains. <laughs> well, um, sun drenched fields, uh, roses of yellow grain. I mean, I'm sorry, fields of yellow grain. It kind of, there is a similarity there, but that was my first thought. I was like, okay, we're drawing power from a celestial body. Better look at fields of wheat. <laughs> I, all right. I draw my power from the grass. Well, I mean, actually, the, <clears throat> put it like that, because um, wheat is, is often seen as like a lifeblood or life force because it's the basis for like most food. Also, a plane is where you're going to, like a flat plane is where you're going to see the most amount of sunlight. Yeah. So if you're battling someone and you need sun magic, you might as well expose yourself to as much sun as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, up next is blue. Uh, blue is associated with logic, technology, and the pursuit of knowledge. Uh, its mana symbol is a drop of water. Um, blue, I, I don't think there's any inherent morality in blue, because there's some creatures, particularly um, one that we're going to talk about when we do Kamigawa next week, Jin Gataxis, I think his name is. He's a pure blue card, but he's extremely evil. But there's also like Teferi, who is uh, blue as well. And is, I believe, generally a good dude. I view blue as the pursuit of knowledge above morals or other standards. Yeah. Like, that is pure. We are learning for the sake of learning. Yeah. yeah. Well, everything else is like, is this questionable? Is this not questionable? That is just, it's information. It's useful. That's how I view it. Yeah, exactly. Um, next, black. Uh, that one embodies free will and amorality, a general disregard for laws or rules. Um it tends to, in the card game, it seems like black tends to be the more evil people, but it doesn't necessarily mean evil. It just means... They're less likely to follow rules. <clears throat> yeah. uh, like, a perfect example, actually, is... Uh, and we'll get to him when I do Innistrad, is Soren Markov. Yeah. He is a white-black. Well, yeah, so, like, is, <laughs> that's that's one heck of a juxtaposition in and himself. But the fact that, you know, he is all... Again, we'll get into this, but he embodies both of them very well. Yes. He is a chaos agent of order, and it's amazing. Yeah. Man, I'm looking forward to hearing about him, because um, I've seen the card around. Uh, he's so pretty powerful, but I don't know much about the Innistrad lore, so... Um, I also don't think I mentioned this, but Black's mana symbol is a skull. Yes. Um, up next, red, uh, generally uh, covering the principles of impulse and chaos. It's embodied by a fireball. Um Fun card sets. They, at least in the game, they tend to be more rushdown decks. Yeah. Uh, at least in standard and commander, it's it's anyone's guess. It also does make sense thinking about it. And actually, I want to loop back to black because we did not mention this. Black is usually associated with swamps or rotting, decay, yeah. Yeah. necromancy, which does make sense. It's black. It's a quote unquote evil. Yeah. Um, so you're going you're looking for decay for that, which does make sense. And then fire being a fireball does make sense as well. Yeah. They are quick creatures. Fire spreads faster than yeah. any of the other elements. And uh, Red, Red's a particular favorite of mine because it's also got my girl Chandra. Oh. Uh, she she rules. I love that card. I hate that deck. <laughs> but she was, because uh, when I first started playing Arena, the first thing I made was a Red Rushdown deck with Chandra. And uh, it, it felt good. Um, 
Up next, green uh, handles the principles of instincts uh, and interdependence, and it's represented by a tree. Um, usually, uh, more primal cards, like actual animals, tend to fall into this category yeah. as well. Your beasts, your dinosaurs, things like that. Yeah, yeah, lots, lots of dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for um, the next set to come out. Yeah, and, and they're usually uh, very powerful too. Yeah, um, as well. Well, the tree is also another very fitting symbol because a lot of the card types, well, the card play style is slow growth building yeah. up power like you don't have that immediate flash like you do with red you don't have the counters like you do with blue but you get stronger over time yeah. just like a tree would yeah lots of uh, growth proliferate yeah all that good stuff um and then there's the colorless which we already pretty much covered but uh you know vehicles artifacts the eldrazi um and uh that's more or less it for the basic mana types the um there is a color wheel that's online you can find just type in magic together and color wheel and it goes a little bit more in depth uh in terms of like each subset of the colors but that that's the basics and really what you need to know uh so we mentioned it a couple times the next thing to talk about what is a plane plane in magic the gathering refers to any size of self-contained world or universe uh in the multiverse um each set usually takes place on one specific plane. Um, in early it was, in the early days, it was all pretty much in Dominaria. Um, the big section of it took place in Ravnica, which is um, you know where you get uh, like the Gay Watch and all of that stuff. Um, and then the um, more recent stuff is going to take place on uh, Eldraine uh, for the new arcs. That I, I, I believe, or at least currently, they're revisiting Eldraine for that. Um, the dinosaur one, and I I cannot pronounce the name. I'm just going to call the dinosaur one. I will correct myself later. Um, uh, I think it's Icoror. It's like I, I, I-X, It's like I X A I A N. Oh, yeah. Axian or something. Yeah. Uh, but we we had discussed this in our first attempt at recording this that like planes can be anything, and whatever you think of as a world or a self-contained universe, yeah. you kind of have to throw it out the window. Um, and yeah. the one we talked about was Phyrexia. Because whenever you talk about a plane, you are uh, you can imagine a planet, and that actually would fit 90% of the cases. Yeah, yeah. But then you get to Neophyrexia, which is spheres within spheres within spheres, each one with its own sun, and each one of them is governed by their own government. It, it's almost like a planet within a planet. Yeah, I'm still having trouble um, figuring out exactly how to picture that. I, I have no idea what it's built on. Because it says, like, the center of the plane, it talks about it in their lore. Again, we'll get into this when we get to them. But it's just, anytime you can imagine something that, like, oh, that doesn't make sense by my understanding of geography, that's how the planes work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of Innistrad, which is the planet that Innistrad is on, is just a country, it's just a continent on the planet. And they don't mention anything else in that world. So... It could be a plane, a place, or just a country, which, again... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it, it, they can range in size anywhere from, like, a drop of water to yep. an entire universe. Um, size is not really dependent. It's just, you know, what the plane is. Um, and I also mentioned it earlier, Dominaria. Um, it is a plane uh, on in the world of Magic the Gathering. Uh, and prior to the mending, it was the center point of the multiverse. Uh, most of the early lore, as I mentioned, happens on Dominaria, and uh, being the center of the multiverse means that what happens on Dominaria has ripple effects, ripple effects to every other plane. Yeah, it's like the opposite of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> what happens in Dominaria goes everywhere. It, Dominaria, <clears throat> that will be 
I think if we ever did like a month long saga, yeah. it's going to be Dominaria. Because yeah. that's where before anything happened, before they started doing lore for the sets, Dominaria was everything. Yeah. They didn't visit anywhere else. It was just Dominaria. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that's where Nico Bolas is from, right? Yes. Uh, Nico Bolas and his brother Ugin, mm, yeah, yeah. who I will be talking about in Innistrad. He's everywhere. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for those, if you're hearing me out, it's because uh, Scott the Cat has graciously come to join us in the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I mentioned a term a second ago, the mending. So what is that? Um, Please mending, tell me. <laughs> I will. <laughs> oh, uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah, crazy. It's now, almost like we're here for that. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like I'm reading a bunch of notes here. Hopefully you purged all this from your brain and this is like the first time you're hearing it again. <laughs> Um, so the Great Mending, uh, usually just shortened to the Mending, marks a major turning point in both lore and Magic the Gathering design philosophy. Uh, on Dominaria, the Planeswalkers basically caused tragedies with their powers over over a very long period. And these tragedies resulted in time rifts, uh, tears in the planar fabric of Dominaria. Over time, <clears throat> so many of these rifts accumulated that the plane couldn't heal itself anymore. Um, the mending refers to these just being sealed, usually by either sacrificing um, a planeswalker or sacrificing their powers. Um, now, yeah. I, I do have a question about this healing because yeah. I looked into this um, a couple days ago and it did mention that Dominaria, Dominaria split, like it was fractured mm. into several microplanes almost. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Don't know. We'll be doing more research into this obviously later when we do the Dominaria set. But I did find that what seems to have happened is they actually broke the plane apart into its respective mana colors and oh. then had to rebring it back together with the mending. Um, are you sure you're not thinking of um, Alaria? I have no idea. Okay. The problem is, again, because so, there's, um, there's a plane called Alaria where the sets were referred to as the shards of Alaria, yeah. I, I believe. And each shard was its individual mana. So that might, that be, might be it because yeah. mending, the problem is mending is used for a lot of stuff. Yep. So it could be that I'm confusing the two. Um, and if I am, I do apologize for any misinformation. It's unintentional. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean, as we kind of stayed up top, like it's so dense that yeah. like... If you get something wrong, you get something wrong. Yep. You know, uh, and it, it, if at any point we do get something wrong, feel free to email us, correct us, and we'll yep. post an update. Say, hey, we were we were off on this, but um, for the most part, you know, everything, particularly the the actual sets, are going to be are pretty well researched. Like my script for Kamigawa right now is six thousand words. And I still got another probably like three or four thousand that are going to go in there. Um, I am like halfway done with the prehistory of Innistrad. I'm at three thousand words. Yeah, so everything's pretty as thorough as we can be, but no one's perfect, and it's as deep as this stuff goes. We might make a mistake here. Or there. Just uh, if anyone has a question of like the research we're talking about. <clears throat> Going forward, the format for this is going to be one of us will be researching a plane yeah. or a block and presenting it to the other as a lore dump. Uh, we're going to be consistent. Well, I'm sorry. We're going to be as concise as possible, but we're not going to get into describing every living little thing. Yeah. Common knowledge will skip over, obviously. Um, but just it's not going to be banter like this moving forward. Yeah, just in case it, it'll be a little curious. bit more focused. Yeah. Um, there will still be, of course, banter, but the uh, the entire idea is to be thorough. Um you know, and and I don't want to lose or pass up any of the lore either. So, okay. you know, because it's all it's all so juicy. Okay, like I get excited opening my word document. I'm like, ooh, what am I going to find yeah. today? Oh yeah, what do I get to read about today? Ah, Jin Jin Karad or whatever. I can't. 
Liana Vess, what did you do? Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, <laughs> um, up next, uh, speaking of Liliana, uh, Planeswalker. What is a Planeswalker? Um, so these generally refer to a being whose existence contained, contains a Planeswalker spark. Um, essentially, it allows them greater access to mana and strong powers using that mana. Pre-mending, uh, the Planeswalkers were veritable gods. Yeah. Uh, you know, extraordinary powers, they were immortal. And, you know, these powers are what allowed them to tear the fabric of Dominaria apart. Um, After the mending, it changed the nature of how the spark actually worked. So it it essentially brought balance back into the equation where planeswalkers are still pretty powerful, but they're no longer immortal. And, you know, they don't have the ability to cause. Yeah, yeah. they don't don't have the ability to cause these, like, great catastrophes. I mean, um, for anyone curious about the timeline we're, we're looking at here, present day... The, the the mending took place a thousand years ago. There are still some planeswalkers walking around. Uh, we actually mentioned all three of them. Uh, the only three living ones are Nico Bolas, Ujin, and Soren. Yeah, they're the only ones left. Yeah, um, yeah, because there's a couple of things over the over the um, timeline where the planeswalkers change. Yeah, um, and probably just as uh, Wizards tries to dial it in because um, I'm like. I, you don't need a 10th level spell to take down a, a level one enemy. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, um, once the mending uh, changed it, they lost their mortality, their power. Uh, they're still very strong. Um, and then they can also use the Planeswalker Spark to jump between the different planes of the multiverse. So there's a few... For the most part, Planeswalkers are the only people who can go to the other planes. Um, there are, at times, technology that's created to allow other people to play, to, to go to other planes. Um, I, I, I stumbled upon this when I was researching about Tezzeret for Kamigawa. Uh, he's a Planeswalker. And um, <clears throat> there was, at one point, a, uh, I think it was called like the Planar Bridge, I believe it was. That sounds very familiar. Yeah, so it was like a it was like a a, a tool or a device that they could use to actually jump between planes as non I think I'm gonna get a little ahead here, but there are, we're gonna be mentioning this in a couple of sets with New Phyrexia. Yep. Um, they actually created a device that opened permanent holes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> moving forward, the lore as long as it takes place in the pleasant day and moving forward. It's going to see a lot more people traveling between planes than the yeah. the past. I'm very curious to see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a good time to mention it just because it's it's right there. So the um, <clears throat> new Phyrexia just finished uh, its arc here very, very recently. So the most recent set, at least at the time of recording, is the uh, Wilds of Eldraine set. And that marks what is known as the Omen Path era. Which, according to Wizards, is a three-year arc, and it's the current arc that they're doing right now. Um, and it's as you described. Uh, they There's no planeswalkers, or there's very few of them left anymore at this point. But other people are able to use these omen paths to go to other planes. If you look at any of the, um, the new... Uh, what are they called? Uh, land cards. Oh, yeah. I have a couple of them from uh, the March of the Machine set. If you look at them, there's always a circle in the land cards, like the basic ones. Yeah. And it's usually to, to hide the, the symbol, the sun, the water wrap or whatever. But if you look at the new ones, they're actually in the holes left by the omen path. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't have an omen with you. <laughs> I actually do. It's in my car. I will show oh, you okay. when we're done. Yeah, we'll have to... Um... It's actually 
they're pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don't do the research now. Yeah, Go. I, like, I could Google it. I could it but, <laughs> yeah, that, that would probably, I think. See, and this is, why we're, this is why we're excited to do this, because like <laughs> every little thing is like, oh, I got to check it yeah, out. Let me Google that. So, um, yeah, for now, I'll rein it in just to keep this episode <laughs> from turning into a four-hour long, like, on the fly. Um, yeah, um, so we mentioned it a bunch, but uh, Planeswalkers carry Spark. It's a, it's a trait that a very small amount of people have throughout the multiverse. A trait that is getting more and more phased out. Yeah. And I believe for every set, at least in its own path era, there's only going to be one Planeswalker per set. Oh. Yeah, so um, if I recall the, that information correctly, there should just be one Planeswalker in the entirety of Eldraine. That's... Interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. I know, because Planeswalkers were rare to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I know, just, just one. Yeah. Just on looking at, um, what do you call it? The Innistrad block. Mind you, that's four sets. Yeah. There's only three confirmed Planeswalkers from that plane. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's pretty rare to have this spark. And um, the spark <clears throat> has to be activated in order to actually allow you to Planeswalk. Um, it, aside from that... Um, oh, yeah. This is this was neat. So um, I, this came across in my research. I don't know if it's actually canon. Um, but somebody uh, on a internal document, an older internal document, described the spark as being a very small part of Aether, um, otherwise known as the Blind Eternities, uh, which I prefer that name ten times better. Blind, Blind Eternities, Eternities to yeah. Aether. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I, my favorite is the Bastard Plane. Because <laughs> that's uh, another name for the Blind Eternities. They call it either, um, it was like the time... Um, like the, the corridors of time, the blind eternities, and the bastard plane, <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about what the blind eternities actually are. But um, it seems like they're kind of the base uh, base level of the universe, essentially. Well, I view them sort of like every plane is a room separated by walls, and the blind eternities are the walls. Yes. So, yeah. well, then, like I think of it like in our world, it's like the primordial chaos that was there before the Big Bang, um, which I, I'm not a scientist. I don't. <laughs> none of that could be true. But. Listen, a lot of this is conjecture right now. <laughs> well, yeah. We, we are Magic the Gathering players, not PhD holdings. Yes. I, mean, I You would need Stephen Hawking and Neil deGrasse Tyson's brain in one body to go through this. Yeah. So let's be honest. Neither of us has that process. Not even close. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> as far as the spark goes, uh, they can be extracted, transferred, and lost. Uh, though it's not really particularly easy to do any of those. Um, in order for the spark to activate, uh, it usually happens in in some form of trauma um, or some significant event that causes the spark to activate, and then that's what allows you to planeswalk. Um, we'll talk actually quite a bit about that in Kamigawa because uh, two sparks. There's two planeswalkers from Kamigawa that. There's more. There's a, there's at least three, but probably way more. Oh, I actually have to correct myself. There are four. Yeah. Four uh, in a strand. Yes. Yeah, so but, level out to one each set, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So we'll talk about like some specific instances of sparks being activated, but no, just in general that it is caused by usually some form of trauma. Um, Any anime fans out there? It is the Mangekyo Sharingan from Naruto. <laughs> uh, 
basically you have to witness or live through some horrible stuff. Yeah. How hypocritical is it of me that when you said that I was like, oh, dork. But like we're doing a Magic the Gathering podcast. We're doing a Magic the Gathering Gathering podcast. You've watched Naruto. I mean, Uh, well, some of it. Not really, no. I've seen, like I watched it growing up. I've seen the first like 30 episodes of Shippuden. Um, no. It was fine. I liked. I, I I need to watch more anime, but I just I can't watch things. I get distracted too easily. Um, That's why I have three computer screens. <laughs> yeah. uh, so blind eternities. Um, just to kind of t- turn back to those. Um, I I got a description here from Karn. Uh, he's a planeswalker who is kind of a big deal he's, in the world of magic. I mean, after Dominaria, he's probably one of the most prevalent planeswalkers. Yeah, he, he shows up everywhere, um, and in the research. Um, but he described it as being an endless space that feels like crushed velvet, prickly and sometimes painful, causing both a feeling of vertigo and a feeling that he wasn't moving at all, which is like <laughs> pretty mind bending. Do you know what it actually feel sounds like? Um, <laughs> that actually sounds like now that I'm thinking about it, the huge levels of painkillers they gave me in the hospital because oh, yeah. you're not moving but you're like I'm floating but I'm standing still and everything's spinning but I'm standing still yeah right my skin is numb I can't feel my skin I can fight God and win <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's funny because you have that thought on painkillers but like if you're that high in painkillers you can fight shit you're, uh, you're just, you can't even piss <laughs> you, can't even, you can't even stand up you're from like, experience oh, take you on god oh my arms are all floppy because from experience if someone's like hey you gotta go to the bathroom like you gotta put me in a wheelchair or something man <laughs> I'm gonna need some help uh, yeah but um, the blind eternities uh, they're filled with swirling chaotic energy that normal organic material can survive in so anybody who is organic that goes to the blind eternities is usually just killed instantly there is is uh, a workaround actually? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, there's two. There's the Omen Paths that we know about. Yeah, yeah. The other one is one of the people who created the Omen Paths from New Phyrexia. Yeah. Uh, clad himself in armor to survive it. Yeah. And then when he would transfer into a plane, he'd regrow the organic parts. Oh, yeah. That's cool. He was one of the five rulers of New Phyrexia. Uh. Cannot yeah. remember his name. Okay, I was like, you got a name? Because He know. was red-aligned. Um, I want to say Jim Jaxis. I know that's not correct. Yeah, um, the, the, all the, and he, all the Fire Axis guys have <laughs> names like that. He looked like a, uh, a Metroid character. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so um, we mentioned uh, the Eldrazi a couple times as well. So the Eldrazi actually live in the Blind Eternities, uh, which is strange because you're not supposed to be able to. Um, but there's, I mean, essentially, I haven't done too much into Eldrazi, like, research. Do you want me to take over this part? Yeah, well, because I was yeah. going to ask you, are they, they're essentially, like, inorganic, they're, they're, they're like, what are they, like, machines? Or how they're they the best representation, and this is by their own, by their own words, so take that with a grain of salt, is they are eldritch horrors that recycle mana. So, when a plane's about to die, it's running out of mana, it's going to die anyway, the Eldrazi show up and they speed up the process. Yeah. So there's three main titans. Each one of them does something different. The first one will break down any living things. The second one breaks down the environment. And the final one just basically wipes out the plane. No, oh, good. <clears throat> they also have the tell, ability... Tell me, do people survive? <laughs> oh, hell no. That's <laughs> what. But on top of that, um, again, they're, they're viewed as these horrible eldritch horrors. Yeah. But their job is making sure there is enough mana 
for the multiverse to continue. Yeah. And again, this is their own admission. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. But well, I mean, like, regardless of how you look at it, if you, they show up on your plane, it's, You're going bad, to die. it's a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be happy to see them like, oh, they're recycling the mana. Like, no, you're like, oh, fuck, we're dead. The one plane that I know of that they went to, started the process, and were stopped was Zendikar. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And an entire continent is just dead. Like, life can no longer be sustained. Volcanoes don't even erupt there anymore. Yeah, because well, I assume they probably took all the mana. There's so. no energy left yeah, for no anything. Uh, on top of that, they don't do it alone. If they have the opportunity, they actually infect the... Uh, the inhabitants of the plane. Really? And they spread the infection as well. So that even speeds it up more. Um, but there, like I said, there's three main Titans. They exist in the blind eternities. They do not have a physical body on the plane, just an avatar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you actually described it really well when we were talking about it before. Yeah, yeah I was going to get to that. Yeah. So I've got a quote here from um, Ugin, or Ugin, the spirit dragon. I love that man so much. Uh, I don't know too much about him. Um, I just know uh, that he described the Eldrazi. <laughs> That's actually all he I know is, him. He is Nico Bolas' brother, and if you know anything about him, <clears throat> Nico Bolas is a total dickbag. Oh, yeah. And Ugin is in the same way, but he's a good guy. Oh, good. So it's just hilarious to me. Um, yeah, so Ujin uh, described it, uh, described the Eldrazi Titans as um, a man sticking his hand into a pool of water. <clears throat> In this comparison, the man is the Eldrazi, and the water is the plane. The people on the plane, the fish, only see the hand, not the rest of the man. So you know, no one actually knows what these Eldrazi Titans even fully look like. Oh, that's why I refer to them as avatars. <clears throat> like, yeah. you, you can kill that avatar, you can do whatever you want to it, they'll just come back again later. It doesn't affect them in the slightest. But what does happen to them to a certain extent, the avatars, does affect the Eldrazi themselves. Yeah. So if you trap the avatars in a way they can't escape, you've essentially halted the actual Titans themselves from being able to go to other planes. They cannot do anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually remember uh, reading some stuff about that. Yeah. That's um, actually a huge part of the Innistrad lore that does not take place on Innistrad. Yeah. So I, I had to go a little bit in depth into that. Yeah, because that happened on Zendikar, right? Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that That's going to be fun. I cannot wait to get to that part. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get to any of this, man. I, I want, like, every time I, like, start reading about a new set, I'm, like, re-excited. I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to do it. I am reigning in <clears throat> so much tangent explanation right now. <laughs> yep. It hurts. Yeah, I can see the clenching from here. <clears throat> um, so uh, at one point I did mention uh, the Gatewatch, and we'll just kind of dip our fingers into that. Yeah. Um, the Gatewatch, uh, the group of planeswalkers formed to fight the Eldrazi on Zantikar. Uh They're essentially the Avengers of Magic the Gathering, and they swear to protect the universe from threats no one else can stop. Um, I believe it was what started by Jace, Chandra. Um, was there Johnny there? I don't believe so. Not not right away. Yeah, I don't think it was a founding um, member. I think it was started by Jace Chandra. There's a third oh, I'm forgetting now. Liliana, I believe. No. Because um, she doesn't... She wouldn't care. Uh, no, no, she's, she's in there because um, I think she's uh, in love with somebody. Like, Jace. She, yeah. That's yeah. her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, and well, I think at that time they were actually dating. <clears throat> no. Yes, but it's a whole thing I know about, so I don't <laughs> yeah. want to spoil anything. Yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll read it in here. Um, just... Uh, Telling you, man, like, I look, if I ever get a white cat, I'm naming him Mijani. Like, I just straight up am. <laughs> he's pretty cool. I like him. Um, I like the card art, too. Um, he's, oh, his art is always phenomenal. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so um, for a good chunk of uh, Magic the Gathering lore, uh, the Gatewatch are kind of the the, the center of it. Yeah. Um, from there, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, the sets going all the way from the Battle for Zendikar to the War of the Spark, which I think was like four or five sets um, that were just yeah. about the Gatewatch and the battle on Zendikar. <clears throat> Um, next, the other thing to be aware of is uh, an event called the Desparkening. Uh, so this was an event that occurred after the new Phyrexian invasion was stopped. Um, it caused the many planeswalkers, not all of them, but the vast majority, to lose their spark. And this resulted in a lot of them getting trapped on whatever plane they were on at the time. Um, not every spark is lost, uh, and this is the start of the current era, <clears throat> which uh, is known as the Omen Path era. Yeah, um, this the was, first set being the Wilds of Train. This was it, the final set, and this was the March of the Machine. Um, that's where uh, it wasn't all be one. Where did that come up before March of the Machine? It was all all be one. I think was the war that finished everything. Yeah, because all will be one was the invasion. Oh, okay, okay. And then March of the Machine was the retaliation. Yeah, okay. Um, no, but this, this ends with a lot of a lot of powerful planeswalkers, ones that have been in the lore and in the game for <laughs> decades. Yeah. To just they just can't do anything anymore. Yeah. The only four I know survived with their sparks intact were yeah. The only four were uh, Nico Bolas, Bajani, Ujin, and Soren. Yeah. There are more. They're don't get me wrong. There are definitely more, but I just don't know them yeah. at the top of my head. Well, so that that set is actually the one that I'm going to be covering next. Um, the 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 whole new Phyrexian war. <clears throat> so our next episode that you'll be hearing after this one is going to be Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Um, the reason why I chose that one to start with, even though it doesn't really chronologically make sense, is because I just like that set. <laughs> That's why I'm doing yeah, industry, yeah, man. Exactly. It's werewolves and vampires and horrors, oh my. Yeah, so <laughs> when, when we were conceiving of this podcast, we're like, oh, okay, well, we'll just start with sets we like. And yeah. then, and, and obviously now, with how much lore I've already looked into, now I'm like, oh man, like, it's all cool. <laughs> I specifically chose the, the sets I, I claimed moving forward. Um, I specifically chose because they don't interact with each other at all, so I can keep them pretty self-contained. Yeah. <clears throat> and at the same time, they're just really cool stuff that I'm interested in. So. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, so, and then after Kamigawa, um, we're going to be getting into Innistrad and uh, covering that, and then I'm going to be starting from the beginning of New Phyrexia's Invasion, so... That's our timeline for the next, like, five months. <laughs> because um, these episodes are going to be coming out weekly. Um, I, we, I, we haven't, since we haven't recorded, like, a main episode yet, yeah. we don't know exactly how long they're going to be, um, aiming for an hour. But honestly, like, if it ends up being that, like, let's say Kamigawa ends up being, like, six hours of podcasting, like, we might release two in one week right. or something like that. I um, mean, just from my initial, <laughs> just a... Part the curtain a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there are five sections to Innistrad. One of them is just prehistory. That's just going to be one episode on its yeah. own. Yeah. And then Shadows of an Innistrad, The Eldritch Moon, Midnight Hunt, and then um, Crimson Vow. Yeah. And that right there, even if those were an hour each, that's five episodes on one plane. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are 96 planes, by the way. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm excited because um, Midnight Hunt was one of my second favorite sets. Yeah, we got a box of it somewhere in this room. Under the chalkboard. Chalkboard? <clears throat> oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, Midnight Hunt. And what I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out what the festival is. We got so many cards that, like, crash the festival. So, right. yeah, so we're going to find out what the festival is. I haven't even gotten that far. <laughs> like, I don't even know about the festival. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So uh, that, that's what you can expect in the future. 
Um, for this episode, I mean, that's really all that I've got for just some basic over notes here. Um, they, I mean, as you can tell from every topic we start here, it, it, it's just so vast and complex that, you know, there's not really a good way to give a generalized uh, breakdown for the for the lore, which is why we're going to be going so in-depth with all these sets. Yeah, uh, I mean, <clears throat> my initial scripting, and that was a whole thing, my, my yeah. initial script... Just the prehistory clocked in at like like ten pages, yeah. And I lost it due to a horrible hard drive malfunction. <laughs> yeah. um, luckily, the silver lining is that because of that, I know. Oh my god, I got to cut this down yeah. a lot. Yeah. Which again, we're still getting five episodes on that no problem. Yeah, yeah. But. There's definitely going to be, we're going to try and be concise and not ramble. <laughs> I mean, not too concise. So yeah. like, I want to ramble some. But yeah. Um, so uh, I guess the only other thing I would note, because we um, the first time we recorded this, we didn't have an email set up yet. Uh, we do now. And this, I, 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 in my head, at least, this episode and Kamigawa's first episode are going to release simultaneously. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Like That's yeah. just kind of what I want to do, but we'll talk about that off air. Um but in any case, you know, if you have any questions uh, or corrections, uh, it is what? Please walk with us pod at gmail, like pwwu at pod at gmail.com. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So drop us a line. Um, if you have any sets you want us to cover, shoot us a message. And, you know, once we finish, <laughs> uh, like like I said, the next five months are already basically planned out if with what we've got already. But if you got any questions about anything we've said or you want clarification on any terms or anything, corrections. Uh, <laughs> Even anything, like you got a question for us. If you're wondering about my cat's name, her name is French Toast, by the way, reach out to us. <laughs> yeah, um, so she's still here. Okay. Yeah, she's she's trying to bother me without bothering me, which I'm very thankful for. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, if you got any questions, feel free to reach out. And if you have any corrections, feel free to reach out. Yeah. But don't be mean about it. <laughs> Cite your sources. Uh, I think we're already yelling at our audience. Like, okay. But I don't know. I mean, be mean about it. Uh, be respectful. Is no, all I'm no, saying. Send, send me mean emails. I'll, I'll I'll send you a picture of my middle finger. <laughs> okay, I'll get in a flame war if somebody wants to start a fight with me. Um, no, the first episode. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Like, <laughs> don't just. I know. I know. I'm not, not going to start a flame war yet. <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. Um, other than that, uh, the the email will be in the show notes too. Um, if you didn't quite catch it. Uh, well, yeah, for this episode, I think uh, that's all she wrote. Um, I, I mean, to close it out, see you on the next plane. See you on the next plane. <laughs>